Welcome to Get On Purpose, the podcast to get clear on what matters to you, get moving, and get results. Hello, and welcome to Get On Purpose, Season 2, Episode 16. Today, we are in conversation with the brave and fearless Melinda Tankard-Reist. Melinda is an author, a speaker, a media commentator, a blogger, and an advocate for women and girls. She is best known for her work addressing sexualization, objectification, harms of pornography, sexual exploitation, trafficking, and voice against women. I've known Melinda for a long time now, probably about 10 years, and she is fearless in her stand on being in the world to make it free of sexploitation. And to that end, um, she is the co-founder of the grassroots campaigning movement, Collective Shout. And Collective Shout stands for a world free of sexploitation. Melinda is an incredible author and editor of five books, including Getting Real, Challenging the Sexualization of Girls. And this is now in its ninth printing. And I think that says it all. In addition, she's the author of Big Porn Inc., exposing the harms of global of the global pornography industry, um, edited with Ab- Dr. Abigail Bray, and her new release, co-edited with Dr. Caroline Norma, Prostitution Narratives, Stories of Survival in the Sex Trade. Melinda is a regular on Q&A, morning television, the Gruen sessions, but most importantly, she's a regular speaker at our schools, and she's there to talk to young boys and young women about the problems that exist in our society, in particular coming through online that are affecting the views and the way young girls and women are treated and the way boys see the world, and her work really matters. So join me in welcoming Melinda Tankard-Rice. Hello, Melinda Tankard Rice. Thank you for joining us on Get On Purpose, the podcast. Um, season two, we welcome you. It's very exciting. You know, I'm a huge fan of your work and have been for a very, very long time and have been following you on social and in particular LinkedIn. So, what we've got in front of us is our six questions this season that we like to ask everybody that sets up what we call your blue frame. And we start with your blueprint. You know, what is the story behind your blueprint? And by this, we mean, you know, what's the moral code that you live by? I'm just wondering if you could, you know, share that with us. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much for having me on your show, Karen. I love your work as well. And as you know, I'm a, I'm a supporter of, of what you're doing also. I'm a journalist by background, a writer. And from my teenage years, I always loved writing and I felt that I could do something with, with words. You know, I wasn't good at a lot of other things. I, I failed other subjects, but I loved writing. And I, I suppose I always felt this vocation, calling, if you like, to use words to bring about change. And one of the first articles I ever wrote was about the opening of a women's refuge in my my local community, and uh, I then um, began to travel and see the world and witness firsthand the second-class status of, of women, violence against women, just so many outrages committed against against women. So my feeling was that uh, I could become an advocate through through my writing 
and uh, I, I wrote five books and became involved in, in activism for women and girls uh, in Australia and globally. So that's a lot, probably too long an answer. I probably needed a nice little soundbite for that yeah. one. But it, it's it, a great answer. It's a great answer. Okay. Yeah. okay. Your, your blueprint is you just won't walk by <clears throat> anything yeah. where you see um, – you know, women being treated inappropriately. And it kind of leads me to your latest post on LinkedIn where you're exchanging, you know, tweets with Westfield. And if I could just read a bit of it to our listeners, because I think it's very important. And, um, it, you know, I'm just reading the, the middle of, of Melinda's response to a response from Westfield. And it says, this was never about the Santa ads. The petition signed by more than 55,000 people predated Honey Burdett's pornified Christmas ads. While your response does indicate the strength of people power, it doesn't go far enough until Westfield stops aiding and abetting this behavior and creates and enforces specific ethical standards to stop the objectification of women, sexualization of girls, and promotion of porn culture in your shopping malls. I couldn't agree more. There's a lot of people advocating against this, and it really speaks directly into your purpose. And I'm just wondering if you could share your purpose, you know, why you do what you do um, for our listeners. What is the purpose of MTR? <laughs> That's a big existential question, isn't it? <laughs> I know it is. Uh, how long have we got? So <clears throat> I felt that we needed to work together to bring about cultural transformation and social change. Really, the, the tipping point came with the publication of my third book, Getting Real, Challenging the Sexualization of Girls. Uh, a lot of people were saying, well, what can we, we do about it? We know what the research says. We know that objectified and, and sexualized portrayals of women and girls causes uh, definitive harm, you know, a recent meta-analysis, which is a collection of all the global research on this subject, says that sexualized depictions of women contribute to a diminished view of women's competence, morality and humanity. So this is pretty serious stuff. If we're going to address violence against women, we have to address the attitudes which shape and mould and condition uh, the behaviors that lead to that that violence and so I felt we needed to do something about it so I founded a movement co-founded a movement against all of this it's really fighting for a world free of sexploitation and these big corporations uh, need to be held to account because they are just wallpapering the public space with pornified images of women, they are putting the vested interest of corporates before the well-being of women and girls and, of course, the broader community. So we've had a long-standing campaign against Honey Burdett, but it's really ramped up. People have had enough. They are sick of walking through shopping malls and seeing these highly sexualized, sex industry-inspired images of women everywhere. And Westfield, for Westfield to say that they're not the moral or ethical arbiters of what their tenants do seems extraordinary to me. They are the landlords here. Uh, they yeah. allow these tenants to set up in their malls. Surely they should have some ethical standards. As I've been saying this week, 
If the Ku Klux Klan wanted to come in and set up a shop front selling white sheets with holes in the eyes, do you think Westfield would say, well, we're not the arbiters of, of what they want to do? Give, you know, give me a break. So we have been calling for corporate social responsibility. If Westfield wants to be seen as a good corporate citizen, it shouldn't be allowing stores like Honey Badet to engage in activities which contribute to harassment, intimidation and antisocial conduct. Yeah, fantastic. And I think, you know, for me, your purpose is so clear. It's a world free of sexploitation. And you have stayed true to that purpose since the day I met you. I've probably known you, I don't know, now six, seven years. Something like that, yeah. And you do not waver. And it is the thing I respect the most about you is that you do not waver. You are laser clear on why you are doing the work you're doing and and it's and you you articulate it in everything you do and and i think one of the things that our listeners would love to hear is you know how you go about bringing that clear purpose to life every day as a leader particularly as the leader of collective shout and as a leader when you walk into schools and how is it that you bring people with you what are the values that you you espouse that that you think you you really get people to, to to create your fellowship? It's a great question. And to be honest, I haven't even really thought about it. I've just kind of done it. I just, I just do my wow. thing and people seem to want to be part of it. I, I suppose what people are drawn to is seeing that their voice matters, their actions count, they can make a difference. This is not just rhetoric. It's not just sloganeering. It actually is the case so a lot of people write to me and say, your action makes me feel brave. They'll say, I in the past would have seen, you know, some inappropriate clothing for children, sexual slogans on children's clothing, uh, the adult DVDs next to the kids' DVDs. I would have seen, you know, an inappropriate uh, billboard with a pornified image of a woman and not done anything because they said, I thought I was alone. I thought I was the only person that felt that way. But now I realise I'm backed by thousands of people who feel the same way and I will take action. And some some supporters have seen changes within a day, within even a few hours, and that excites people to realise they don't have to be passive victims of a toxic culture. They can engage, they can bring about change and and that they have actually a duty to, you know, the standard you walk past is the standard you accept, silence is the language of complicity, Speaking out is the language of change. You can't just uh, rail and moan about the state of things and not do anything about it. And I think that's what we've been able to do is, is, is sort of coalesce this feeling of angst into, into action, into a grassroots campaigning movement for a world free of sexploitation. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think that's what it comes down to is people see that change is, is possible. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, your blueprint that you just articulated in those three sentences, we'll include that in the write-up of the podcast because everyone needs to to have those three sentences in their life. You know, the standard that you walk by is the standard that you accept. And I think when you have such a strong blueprint, an ethical code, and when you have such a clear purpose, a world free of sexploitation, you don't need to create words and stick them on the wall. Here's the five values. Because your intentions are translated into actions and everyone can see that in everything you do. And they can just say, look, 
Melinda's taken action. I'm either going to follow her and click and sign that petition, or actually I'm going to start my own petition, or I'm going to start my own uh, walk that says, this is a thing I'm not going to walk by anymore. And I, I think that you, you know, there's nobody that I know of who, who, who speaks the language of turning your intentions into action stronger than you, Melinda. Well, that's very and, kind, and Karen. Thank you so much. I, I, you know, I really mean it. And um, I have two daughters and, you know, I just see this problem. It just gets worse. And every time, you know, collective shouts gets a poster taken off the of back of a bus it's really important because, you know, if your daughters are walking by a shop and they see, you know, someone in knickers riding Santa Claus, what what does that say to them? Well, I can give terms- you a specific example yeah. of a, yeah. a GP and a mum who noticed that her four-year-old was posing in provocative ways at home and she was pouting, she was running her hand up and down her, her thigh yeah. and acting in a highly sexualised way and the mother was quite alarmed. And she said to her daughter, where did you learn to do that? And the four-year-old child said, remember, Mummy, when we went to the shopping centre the other day and we walked past that shop um, with all the semi-naked ladies? That's where she learned to do it. Don't tell me that these images are not grooming children to act in inappropriate and highly sexualised ways. We are grooming girls to think that's how you should act and be as a woman and we are grooming boys to think, that's how women are and that's how we should treat them. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, you know, we, we always ask the, the fourth question, which is how do you power your purpose and leadership? And what I would like to do is just change that because, you know, the work you do is, is difficult work and, you know, you come under attack. So I'd like to say how do you, what do you do to look after yourself? Because that's part of how we operate, right? Yeah. Self-care. Yeah to be able to do the work you do because it's exhausting? <laughs> Look, it's a great question and I was forced probably three years ago now, two to three years ago, to practice more self-care. I, I realised and learnt the hard way, as so many of us do, that uh, without investing in myself, my health, my well-being, my physical and mental and spiritual health, that I would not be sustainable for the, for the long haul so uh, my favourite thing to do is actually to disappear. I go into the bush, I go into the wilderness with a pack on my back and I turn my phone off and people won't know where to find me or where I am and I just disappear. That is the most healing thing that I have found to do for my, my well-being. I, uh, I do yoga uh, most, most evenings when I can. I have great friends. I debrief almost daily. And I, you're right, it, it can be difficult work, but I tell you, we have a lot of fun as well. Um, some of the women I yeah. work for are the, the, the f- funniest, uh, you know, engaging, endearing women that you know, I've ever met in my life. It's opened up a world of opportunities and g- great blessings really, you know, to be able to address thousands of young people a year and have them write yeah. to you and say, your message saved my life. You know, literally I've yeah. had one young woman said she'd planned to take her life and uh, the same day she heard me speak and realised that what had happened in her life wasn't her fault, that she uh, had been degraded and demeaned and used and exploited by men all her life and that she was now going to join a, a movement to change that rather than take it out on herself. And 
you know, suffer the loss of her life. And, of course, the, the young man in Tasmania uh, recently who stood up, 16-year-old, and confronted his male peers uh, for their behaviour, their laughing through my presentation, playing down rape games, rape jokes, and he just stood up and said, you know, how dare you, this is serious stuff, uh, you know, you shouldn't be laughing. And he, he just confronted them in a way I'd never seen a young man do. And uh, his name's um, Soren and I've posted about him and people just love to hear mm. those stories. You know, we need encouragement, don't we? Absolutely. Uh, his story was so encouraging to see that. Uh, and there's other things I, I do as well, certain sort of, you know, spiritual practices to keep myself um, centred and grounded and um, well, you know, I have to keep myself well to be able to engage in, 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 this, in this work. So sorry, another long answer there, but so there are a few of the no, things. No, it's a great answer. And, you know, taking care of yourself is not a silver bullet. Mm. And I think, you know, we, we've kind of got to the place where people are like, I do these three things. And, mm. you know, there's many, many, many ingredients that bake That's the cake correct. of life. Yes. And, and there's lots of things. I, I saw the, the post of you in the tent. I thought, oh, she's brave. I'm, I'm from New Jersey. I think going alone in a tent is my idea of a terrorist experience. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> wonderful. You know, Australia has such beautiful wilderness areas. Exactly. And I've just yeah, found it a great, a great source of, of yeah. healing, and yeah. calming, calming down the whole system, you know, in vitamin forest, vitamin C, C SEA. I just thought of that. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that's, that's some of the things I do. So, so you were an early adapter of technology in terms of social media. It's, um, actually, can you I say that because um, I actually was dra dragged kicking and screaming into social media. Oh, really? Well, I'm actually um, a mainstream media person. I love newspapers. I still get the newspaper delivered. I mean, who even does that? I love the feel of it. I I love ink on paper. I like to hold the paper. And it was some young women said, why aren't you on social media? You know, why aren't you blogging? And I realised that I realised the power of social social media introduced by younger women friends and it's been yeah. fantastic for the cause. You know, it's it's so easy to campaign now. You know, in the old days, this shows how old I am, you know, you might write a letter and then you'd find an envelope and you'd find, you know, you'd go to the post office and you'd line up and you'd buy a stamp and then, you know, you'd be holding your baby and the baby would throw up on the envelope. So you'd start again uh, and and then you'd send off your letter and you might never hear. By the time you got a reply, the yeah. campaign was over. Now, yeah. you know, we've had victories in an hour on Twitter with, with corporations. I know. So it is a wonderful yeah. medium. Of course, you pay a price being on social media and, uh, you know, yeah. there are a lot, of, um, a lot of abuse and vilification and threats and things like that. But overall, it's been a, a wonderful um, medium to use to, to harness for the cause. Fantastic. And I, I guess the tip there is really to embrace new technology, listen to young people and just go for it. Yeah, isn't that's it? correct. So I still love mainstream yeah. media, but really social media has yeah. now become mainstream media. So I shouldn't even be using, yeah. you know, those kind of distinction. Those, those distinctions are being erased now rapidly. Yeah, yeah, I great. think that I great. think we can maximize it for for our for our cause and to serve our purpose. You've got to sort of tame the beast a bit though and have some some boundaries ar around it and and know when to engage and know when not to engage. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. 
So in terms of, we, you know, everybody loves a good tip. And this is our last question, oh. Melinda. You know, what's your top tip for our listeners for, you know, either getting or staying on purpose? Mm. Yes, I think being true to your founding vision, your original vision. There are other people with other agendas that might try to sway you. There's people that say it's not possible, that it won't work, that you can't do it. I love proving those people wrong. Uh, I think, you know, it's kind of what we tried to do was actually an act of madness really in the early days. We didn't really know it would become as big as, as it has become, that our name would be known, you know, globally really. There's nothing quite like us. And I think, yeah, just just go for it. Just if you've got an idea that you think is worthwhile, just go for it and don't let people stop you. And just just you know, sort of charge on ahead. Really, like so, a world free of sexploitation. And your top tip is stay the course, stay the course. set your purpose, and well, stay we're the course. Well, seeing the fruit of that, you know, t- we're nearly ten years old, and we yeah. never imagined that, for example, we would have a meeting with 60 Supre staff to talk about how we could work together to make a world better for for girls. You know, Supre was in our yeah. sights right from the beginning and we spent years campaigning against that company and against the Cotton On as well, which now owns Supre. And now those companies are demonstrating that they want to engage in corporate social responsibility. Uh, they have reworked their ethical frameworks to incorporate uh, the issues we've been talking about today. So there's an opportunity now uh, not just to sort of, you know, smack the bad guys, but to work within a very positive way, the companies that want to do the right thing. So we have a corporate social responsibility pledge inviting corporates to sign a pledge not to objectify women and sexualize girls in products and services and advertising. And we want this pledge to be as well known as fair wear, fair trade, fair chocolate, fair threads, those campaigns. Why shouldn't it be? I support all those campaigns. They're very important. Uh, and we'd like this campaign to be up there with those. So we didn't imagine, you know, that we'd have thousands of people involved, that we would be able to have so many victories, you know, regularly, and that we would really be at the forefront of uh, a tipping point, you know, in this area. So it, it, what you've said is correct. You have to be in it for the long haul. You're not going to get change overnight, but change will come if we work together and stay the course and don't be swayed from our, our vision and purpose. Well, you 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 ooze that, Melinda, and I thank you for sharing everything you've just shared with us. It's just fantastic. Our Get On Purpose Action or GAPA. <laughs> Giggle every time I say it. And I think I think the GAPA out of today's beautiful podcast goes back to your blueprint and it is the standard you walk by is the standard you've chosen to accept. So listeners, is there anything in your life that you are uncomfortably walking by that you should walk backwards to and make some change, whether it's a change in your life, someone else's, something you just don't feel is right at work, or if you're the owner, what you're doing, it doesn't feel right. What is it that is no longer right in your life? or that you're witnessing that you need to stand for. So there's our GAPA. And thank you again, Melinda. And to our listeners, remember what you do matters. 
Thanks for listening. And if you'd like to subscribe, we're on iTunes as Get On Purpose. And if you want to leave a comment or review on iTunes, we love it. Always keen to hear from you. If you want to get in touch, I'm on Twitter at Karen T. James. And I've got loads more info over on the website, KarenTJames.com. You can also, you know, find us on social, in Facebook and Instagram, On Purpose Hub. Mm-hmm.